PFG Private Wealth Management LLC is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. The topics and information discussed during this podcast are not intended to provide tax or legal advice. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed on this podcast. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. Insurance products and services are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed insurance agents. The rules of retirement have changed. No longer can most of us rely on Social Security or a single pension to fund our futures. We're living longer and retirement doesn't just last a handful of years anymore. Instead, you might stay retired for 20 or 30 years and maybe even more. We need to look at retirement through a new lens with fresh eyes, with a new approach and plan of attack. Here to answer the call are financial advisors John Texera and Nick McDevitt of PFG Private Wealth Management, serving you throughout the Tampa Bay area. This podcast is Retirement Planning Redefined, and it starts right now. Back for another edition of the podcast. This is Retirement Planning Redefined with John and Nick from PFG Private Wealth serving folks all around the area here. So reach out to them on the podcast. PFGPrivateWealth.com is where you can find them online for a lot of good tools, tips, and resources. Uh, You can subscribe to the podcast, book some time with the team, all sorts of good stuff. Again, stop by the website if you're not already working with them at PFGPrivateWealth.com. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, consider doing so while you're there. We're on Apple, Google, Spotify, and all that good stuff. So you can check that out. And this week, we're going to follow up with a, the second half of our Social Security myths. We did the first five on the prior episode. You don't have to have listened to that one to listen to this one, but it certainly uh, isn't a bad idea to go back and check that one out. So uh, that one came out a little bit earlier in April. So we're going to drop this one here and uh, and get into the second half of this, the next five myths. Guys, you going? Uh, you doing all right this week, John? How are you, buddy? Doing good, doing good. You know, doing having a little contract work done at the house, which is, uh, as you know, Mark, is dealing with that. It's always uh, <laughs> challenge and fun. <laughs> That's but, right. Uh, looking forward to the project being complete. So yes, we need more contractors. We need more people who uh, are in the trade services. That is for sure. Is a major shortage all across the country. Really, I think globally, actually, as well. But uh, Nick, what's going on with you, bud? Just uh, staying busy. Yeah, staying busy for sure. But spring, yeah, spring um, is a here, yeah. and the weather's nicer. Yeah. That's always good. Yeah, although it has been warmer here than I feel like typical this time of year. Mm, um, could be a hot summer like, then. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully uh, hopefully it cools down just a little bit for the next month so we can enjoy the the, the end of spring. Have an actual spring? Yeah, not exactly. Skip it, not skip yep, it. That's yeah. all I'm asking for. There you go. Well, uh, let's jump into some myths here and see if we can help some folks out with some more of these. Again, we did the first five, which are kind of the big five, I think, that many people hear often. Uh, but I've got some other unique ones as well. So these might uh, appeal to some folks who are thinking about Social Security or getting close to that age and are wondering about some of these things that they've heard maybe online or on the news or whatever. So let's jump in, talk about a few things, guys. Myth number six out of the total 10 we were doing, you can't work and receive Social Security benefits at the same time. I think this myth is revolves around the fact that it's, this applies to people who take it early because there are some limitations. So uh, Nick, why don't you break this one down? little bit yeah just like everything else the devil's in the details so essentially what you know the way that ssa uh, social security administration looks at this is kind of um from a tiered perspective so they break it down 
in essentially three sections. So from when you're first eligible, which is 62, up through essentially the year that you reach before the year that you reach for uh, full retirement age. And then the year that you reach full retirement age has its own kind of section. And then the period of time after your full retirement age. So as an example, to kind of make that, you know, bring that all together and make it make sense. You can have income while collecting social security before your full retirement age, but there is a limit. That limit is about $21,000, a little over $21,000. Right. And for every $2 that you make over that amount, you have a $1 reduction or almost kind of like penalty on your social security. Yeah, so somewhat, almost like part-time. You could do part-time work if you yep. took it early, so to speak, right? Yeah. And, and a lot of times that's kind of the ticket for you know some people is to kind of work part-time, keep them busy, help them transition into retirement and to help uh, prevent them from having to dig into their nest egg. They might file and collect social security. And those numbers kind of balance out. You know, there's not a big, they they have income less than the amount that would cause a penalty. And so they're, you know, it, it works out for them. Yeah. Um, in the year that you reach your full requ- your full retirement age, that amount goes up to about 56,000. So essentially what they're saying is like, hey, you know, we understand that birthdays range, you know, and that from a calendar perspective, it can get a little bit tricky. So they say that you can collect your benefit and earn up to the 56000 without any sort of penalty. Once you've reached your full retirement age, there's no income limit at all. Yeah. So you can kind of do like a full double dip uh, per se in that scenario. So yeah, I mean, if you make a million dollars a year, you know, and you're 68, nine years old, I mean, that's fine, right? Yeah. I mean, let it rip. Yeah. What, yeah. What you're giving up per se is the 8% increase per year on the social security benefit. Um, so there is some sort of like a give up, but whether or not that has a big impact, you know, um, doesn't necessarily, you know, depends on somebody's situation. If you're waiting till the 70, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. If you're waiting, yeah, to, to wait until 70. So some scenarios that we see this work out really well are, you know, somebody hits their full retirement age, they plan on continuing to work, but they want to, you know, uh, maybe the mortgage isn't paid off. So they'd like to turn on the social security with the goal of, hey, when they retire at 70, these social security payments that are coming in will go directly towards paying down the mortgage and they can retire, you know, without having a mortgage. Yeah. Or maybe they're behind on their uh, retirement funds. And so they want to make sure that they can really maximize retirement savings. So they'll collect and, and save it. Um, or just put the money away. You know, so it's like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this benefit, but instead of just spending it, I'm gonna go ahead and save it. And then we'll use, you know, I've had people say, hey, this is going to be my vacation fund for our first five years of retirement. We're going to save as much as we can. And then we'll use that to, you know, to pay for our vacations for those first five years where we're most active in retirement, you know, that sort of thing. Yep, gotcha. So you can get strategic, but that's, you know, kind of the breakdown of how it actually works. Yeah. And John, I think for many people, that that's where that confusion comes in. Like my brother, for example, he's already 65, but he is he's retiring before full retirement age. So he has to wait. Right. He So he can work part time, make up to that limit that Nick was just describing. But I think that's where the confusion comes in. At least that's what I've seen from from my perspective. How about you? 
Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. A lot of people confuse kind of 65 Medicare uh, yeah. eligible age to, you know, full retirement age and yeah. Social Security. So I'd agree with that. Uh, something else that, you know, people typically miss with this or maybe just don't fully understand is that this is based on the individual's earned income, not household. So I've seen some scenarios where someone was thinking about drawing Social Security. They were retired. Mm. The other spouse was not. And I said, well, I can't draw yet because our income is higher. And our household income is much higher. It's not based on household income. It's based on the individual's earned income. Ah, good point. Good point. All right. So that was uh, myth number six. Myth number seven. I don't think I've really heard this one before. Social Security benefits are only for U.S. citizens. Uh, this seems kind of like a no-brainer. Like that's basically the case, wouldn't it be? Yeah, this is definitely uh, you know a, a myth. <laughs> um, if you know, but it doesn't come down to whether you're a citizen or not. You know, it comes down to have you meet the re- the requirements to be eligible. Mm. Okay, which is kind of that with that 10, uh, 10 years, 40 yeah, quarters thing. T- 10 years, the 40 quarters there. Yeah. And, you know, once you hit those, uh, you are eligible for Social Security. I wonder if some of this is for folks who retire abroad. You know, so there's some confusion there because, like, I even thought about it myself. My wife and I were joking we were going to retire and live in Aruba part time. And it's like, oh, and I asked myself, huh, I wonder if, if you live in Aruba, can you still collect Social Security benefits? And I think if you have dual citizenship, I think you still have to maintain citizenship is, is my understanding. Uh, but certainly something that you can have a conversation. That's some of the questions that might make more sense when you're going to the Social Security office versus saying, hey, when should I turn it on? Right. They're probably better yeah. equipped to answer questions like that than they are uh, answer questions about when's the best time for you to activate it. Yeah, one example that kind of goes in with that too is you'll have people that are, you know, considered like permanent resident alien. So, mm. you know, I can I can even give an example where in my family, uh, my grandparents came from Cuba. My grandfather uh, work was a professor at uh, State University, and uh, but my grandmother and he spoke English and, and Spanish, but my grandmother had you know different issues and she never you know fully spoke. English. Mm-hmm. And um, so she never kind of, you know, was able to do the citizen uh, test, you know, that sort of thing. But my grandfather was here, you know, his whole adult life and paid into Social Security. And so she was eligible for ah, okay. a benefit as a spouse, you know, and she has permanent resident alien, you know, status. So there's different things like that that kind of come into play. Yeah. Certain um, non-citizens yeah. then. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Sure. Yeah. That's cool. That's a great example. Thanks for sharing that. Um, yep. All right. So myth number eight. Uh, this one is an interesting. I, I don't know if this is state by state or why this myth kind of is around, but uh, see what you think about this one. Uh, if you have a pension, you're not eligible for Social Security benefits. This just seems weird to me. I don't think that one precludes the other. Yeah. So I can I can kind of explain this as well. So what some states used to do um, with their pension system was. And a lot of times it was, again, in certain states or even certain kind of like counties or municipalities in certain states, um, they would allow or their their structure would be instead of the person who was working for them paying into Social Security, they would pay into the pension. And so it was both they and the employer were paying into the pension system in lieu of paying into Social Security. And so, and there's a clause for this, what would happen? I know I I for sure had some people in Illinois that dealt with this. And so because of that issue, there was this calculation that would offset the amount that they were eligible for, for social security. And so where people got in trouble would be, 
you know, sometimes what people would do is they would say, hey, all right, well, you know, I'll use a teacher for an example. So this whole program is called like the windfall provision. And so what they would do was, okay, so say a teacher, they knew that they're they weren't going to be eligible for social security because of the way that their pension was structured. So they might work a summer job so that they could start to build in their 40 quarters Uh and be eligible for social security. But they didn't realize that there was an offset with how this worked. So the windfall provision or what's called windfall elimination provision is something where if this sounds familiar, it's something that you want to look into. And it was because the main part wasn't paying into the social security but unfortunately, you know, when they would get that in the scenario with like the second job or something like that, that's where it would almost like penalize them because they would subtract the amount that's coming from the pension out of the amount that they would be eligible for Social Security. Interesting. Okay. So the windfall provision. Interesting. Yep. All right, John, any, uh, any thoughts on that one? Uh, no, I've run into the same scenario in Massachusetts where uh, I've had some clients up there that have paid into the the pension system up there and um, basically they got reduction of social security benefits to some form. So it sounds it, like it doesn't preclude you. It just may alter benefits. Every there's different significantly. Situations. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Interesting. And, and certainly, so that's a, again, so this one, you never know. Sometimes there's, again, there's always like some sort of kernel to these things, right? Uh, which mm-hmm. kind of gets distorted and pulled out. So again, if, if you got questions around this, and especially if you're on a pension, you may want to certainly talk with your financial professional about that. Uh, and John and Nick are here, here to do so. So again, reach out to them uh, at pfgprivatewealth.com. All right, good stuff. Uh, let's do myth number nine. Social security benefits, John, are based on your income and assets. This one's an interesting one, I think, because it's really, I guess, the confusion of thinking, okay, well, if you have a, I don't know, whatever your salary is, but then if you have like a $5 million home, it somehow affects, it's somehow different than someone who has a million dollar home. Yeah, that's not the case. I mean, right. it, it is based on your earnings, which I guess earnings, sure. some people could say, well, is that my income? So it's based on your, you know, and we're going to talk about this later. It's based on your highest 35 years of earnings. Right. But it's not um, means tested, at least not now, not yet. Right. Anyway, not means tested, but uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. That is something that uh, has been discussed as, you know, doing some means testing to basically help the program out where let's sure. say if you're above a certain income or asset level where they start <laughs> to reduce your social security benefit. Right. I mean, could um, you see Elon Musk ever needing or Oprah Winfrey ever needing social security? Right. Uh, but, te- but technically they're so, eligible. But... Right. I mean, so, you know, yeah. yeah. With the, uh, with the means testing, you know, the, it, that's a, a tricky thing because there's the way that it goes kind of hand in hand is that they are no longer pay- people that, uh, exceed the cap, which I think right now is around like what 150,000, something yeah. like that in income, they no longer pay into social security. So there's almost like a built in, you know, kind of means testing. Um, yeah, but doesn't that have a, a donut hole, Nick, where it kicks back in again after a certain higher amount? Like you start paying again after like 400 grand or something? They're discussing that, but not ah, currently okay, for okay. social security. Yeah. yeah. So, and there are, it's that way for like Medicare, where there's, you know, so for example, Medicare is, the Medicare portion of the taxes in perpetuity, and then there's an additional amount over a certain amount of income. Mm. So what, you know, what could be interesting is almost giving people an option of, and again, this is just kind of speculation, but 
hey, you have the option to over this cap, you can continue to pay Social Security or have a means test later on when you retire. You know, that's something that could uh, be interesting, almost like one or the other, mm. um, or just remove the cap uh, completely and then just have a maximum amount that could be paid out. So, you know, going back to what we had talked about in, in the other session, there's definitely a way to figure this out. But they just, you know, somebody's got to have the guts to to do it. Well, for us regular folk, I guess, right? So it's not really, to John's point, it's not really based on those things, not exactly anyway. It's more based on your work history and, and you know, your salary through the years, right? Yeah. Yeah. How many, how many, uh, you know, how many years you've paid into it and uh, what those numbers were. Well, and so that just walks us into the number 10 here. So we'll do that one, John. I'll let you start with it then. So your Social Security benefits are based on your last job's salary. Uh, and you kind of alluded to it. It's really based on the highest, what, 30 years, correct? 35 years of earnings. 35, okay. And so that's where people sometimes, I hear advisors say, hey, make sure you go to ssa.gov and take a look and make sure that your numbers are being reported correctly. Heard a lot of this during COVID, especially for folks who may have been laid off or things are kind of wonky, right? To make sure those numbers do get reported uh, correctly because it can, that kind of thing can make an impact. And if you think about your highest earning years, John, many of us, you know, that's going to be between the ages of 40 and 60, right? Or, or 45 and 65. So you want to make sure those numbers are correct. Yeah, yeah. Typically, that those are the highest earning years, and um, you know, it's it's always good to do a checkup every you know two or three years, especially after you're hitting like the 40, 50 mark. You really want to take a look at, hey, what did they, what did they uh, put in there for me last year? I'd, I'd say more often than not, it's accurate. Yeah. Um, to, you know, if there are any issues, sometimes we'll see them with someone that's self-employed. Um, right. So. You know, this kind of comes always to the the person that's uh, self-employed and can kind of, you know, <laughs> I want to say, determine their W-2 income. It's kind of like, hey, how much income do you want to show for, you know, right. Social Security you right. know, when you're talking to your accountant? But um, that could be a negative if you're, if you're uh, doing some accountant stuff and showing lower income. Um, not all. Could, yeah, it could bother you for your for your earnings later for your possible Social Security draw. Uh, you know, later on, I think about the highest thirty five years when and you're talking about that, and it's like. You can hear someone saying, well, I don't remember what I made at Wendy's when I was 16, <laughs> you know, 40 years ago. It's like, yeah, that one probably gets dropped off, right? So the idea being the highest, again, 35 years versus like maybe that first job, you know, way back when. Just to kind of add to that context, because that cap, you know, that Social Security cap has continued to go up over time with inflation. It's it's the highest 35 years in relation to the cap. Oh, you know? okay. So, so that's something to, you know, understand because you know, effectively your income, your income today, you know, let's say in theory, you know, for example, you know, a hundred thousand dollars today compared to maybe like $75,000 20 years ago, that 75 may actually be a higher percentage compared to the cap. So, you know, the, it, it, there, there's a little bit of nuance in there, but that's, you know, just in general, that's kind of how it works. Okay. All right. Well, some good stuff. John, any other thoughts as we wrap up this uh, podcast on social security myths? Anything else you'd like to chime in with? No, I think we've hit all the points. Um, I think we're good. I think we did a good job uh, debunking all these myths. Certainly some good stuff in there. I, I think there's a few things that might catch people by surprise. Nick, anything else before we go? No, just uh, you know the additional emphasis of that. It's, uh, it is a complicated uh, decision and you know, the good part of that is that there's usually strategy involved and that you can, you know, do things to improve kind of the overall planning for yourself. So, you know, just like a, a lot of things, the, the gift and the curse per se, but 
we'd rather have people have the ability to be able to adapt their decision making process to to help make this a decision that improves their overall situation than be forced to do you know just the same old thing. Yeah, I, I like on the prior episode we were talking. John said that you guys can break things down a couple of ways. You can look at Social Security uh, in a vacuum, but then also look at it as it applies to everything else that you have going on uh, from a retirement standpoint. And I think that's going to be a real advantage when folks are trying to sit down and figure out the best ways to handle uh, which what something that can be actually a lot of money. I mean, Social Security could be a lot of income, uh, total dollars applied to your retirement nest egg. So you certainly want to make sure you're getting it right. And that's what the team can help you with. So again, if you got some questions, need some help, as always, we appreciate the time on the podcast. But don't forget to subscribe to them. Uh, and so you can catch new episodes and check out past episodes. Uh, but also, just in case you need some help, stop by the website and schedule some time, have a conversation with John, Nick, and the whole team there at PFG Private Wealth. Find them online at pfgprivatewealth.com. That's pfgprivatewealth.com to get started today. A lot of good tools, tips, and resources. And, of course, you can also, again, find the podcast and subscribe there on the website as well. Find us on Apple, uh, Google, Spotify, under Retirement Planning Redefined. Guys, thanks for hanging out. As always, I appreciate your time. I'll sign off for us. But for John and Nick, I'm your host, Mark, and we'll catch you next time here on Retirement Planning Redefined.